Welcome to Lessons from a PhD, where every single episode teaches you different lessons to make your PhD and career journey easier. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. My name is Dr. Anna A.O., and I am your host for Lessons from a PhD. So in today's episode, we're going to be taking a deeper dive into my journey and talking about a few things. So first, we'll look at, you know, how did I actually get here? Um, What are some challenges that I encountered along the way? And even my journey through my master's degree as well. And we'll talk about, you know, why I chose chemistry, what made me pursue graduate school and so on. All right. So let's get into it. So let's even go back. Let's go back in time to the 1990s when I was a kid, okay? And let's kind of talk about what my mindset was when I was a kid. Now, I know that if you talk to many people that are in STEM today and have like great STEM careers, a lot of them will often say that when they were a kid, that they were very interested in science experiments. Maybe they are an engineer because they were fixing things when they were younger. Maybe they're in medicine because, you know, they would operate on their dolls and stuff like that. A lot of people have those kind of stories. When it comes to my childhood story, I can't say that that's the same. (laughs) I would say that I was a very adventurous kid very like happy-go-lucky, but there was never a time for myself anyways where I really knew what I wanted to do with my life. If you asked me, I would change every week. Like I would want to either be a police officer, I would want to be a backup dancer, a singer, like all of those types of professions. And I just didn't really know exactly um, what it is I wanted to do. So going into high school, I was like, okay, I kind of need to decide where I'm heading so I can choose the right courses and everything. Like, what exactly am I interested in? And now I'm of African descent. And if you are too and you have African parents, you know that you have three options when it comes to your career choices. And what are those three options? We can all say it together. You can either be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, or you can be an engineer right? So I knew that if I gravitated more towards science courses, then the doc- being a doctor would be my profession of choice. If I gravitated more towards English or the arts, then a lawyer would be a possibility. If I gravitated more towards like math, then probably engineer. So going through high school, I realized that science interested me and I gravitated more towards like biology, chemistry kind of courses. So I was like, okay, maybe that means that I'm supposed to be a doctor. But then thinking about the doctor lifestyle, I was like, you know, I really like to chill. (laughs) I value work and hard work, but I also like my me time and I love having a a great work-life balance. And I knew that being a doctor wouldn't provide me with that. And so I was like, you know what? I really don't think doctors for me. And I really, I give it up to all the doctors out there. Your job is very, very demanding. And I really give it up to you. It's not an easy job at all. But I just knew that it was not for me. So nearing my end of high school, like grade 11, 12, I remember I was talking to my parents and I kind of told them that, you know, like I'm interested in healthcare and science, but I just feel like doctor is just not for me. And so they proposed, they're like, well, what about a dentist? Because being a dentist, you know, you can still have your own practice, 
but you have a better work-life balance because it's kind of like a nine-to-five job. Um, you can spend time with your family and it's not too demanding. And I'm like, you know what? That's a that's an option. And so being the researcher that I am, and it's funny that I look back now because I realized that there's a lot of things that if I was interested, I would research into it. Um, and so I kind of see how I found myself in research. So anyways, being the researcher that I am, I looked into, you know, what it took to be a dentist. And I even shadowed a dentist as well for like a couple months. And I was like, you know what, this is something that I could do. I think I I could definitely do this. Um, And I even kind of grew this obsession with teeth as well to the point where I started a YouTube channel that was focused on teeth and dental hygiene. Don't even try to look me up. I don't even think it's still on uh, YouTube. I'm not 100% sure, but I had so many videos where I would record myself talking about, okay, this is how to floss, this is how to brush your teeth, giving tips and things like that. It was really cute. It was cute. So I had my mindset on being a dentist, um, you know, graduating high school and everything. So when it was time to apply to university for my undergrad, I made sure that I knew all the prerequisites that I needed to be able to apply to dental school. And I chose a program that would provide me with those prerequisites. So essentially any science program I found in university would allow me to, you know, have all everything that I needed to apply to dental school. But I ended up choosing a program called biopharmaceutical science. um, And specifically just because it was a newer program and it just seemed really attractive to me because it had a lot of chemistry courses. And I know that going through high school, chemistry was often one of the subjects that I gravitated more towards and I found that I was really good in. So I went into um, biopharmaceutical science and, you know, I really enjoyed the program. Um, and then I specialized into medicinal chemistry because there was two strains of the program. You can either go the bio route or the chemistry route. And so I went the chemistry route. And so again, it's funny when I look back now that I ended up going into the medicinal chemistry route because at that time, I didn't really know what that was at all, but I ended up doing my postdoc, and I'll talk about that later, in medicinal chemistry. So I kind of made like a full circle. Anyways, going back to um, my undergraduate degree. So yes, I took all the prerequisite courses that I needed. Um, and in my last year, I ended up taking the dental aptitude test. So that's the DAT, which you can think of as similar or, you know, you can equate it to the MCAT that you need for med school. So I ended up taking the DAT. I studied for it and everything. I took the test. I was like, okay, I got this. I have my grades and everything. Um, I got back my DAT scores and like they were good. They were competitive. So I remember it was my last year of university and I applied to dental school thinking that I would get in after I graduate. So I had applied. I was wide-eyed, you know, hopeful. I was like, yes, I'm going to get in. I have everything that I need. I got the letter back that, oh, unfortunately, you did not um, get into dental school. And I applied to several dental schools and I got many rejection letters. So at that time, I had just graduated from university. I had no plan B. I 
didn't really have any other options. So I was sitting there with my university degree in biopharmaceutical science and I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) what am I going to do with this? This was supposed to lead me into dental school. So that summer, I remember um, it was really depressing because I was like, okay, I have an undergrad degree in science. I don't even know what I can do with that. Dental school was my only option and I didn't get in. What am I going to do? Now that summer, I learned a very important lesson. And I learned that in life, things don't always go your way. You could work your hardest, try your hardest, but sometimes things don't always go as planned. So that's when you need agility and you need to learn how to pivot from one situation to the other. You need to have the ability to easily move from one situation to another without an outcome being promised. And so during that summer, I had to quickly think, okay, I have all these skills. It didn't lead me into where I wanted to be. So what else can I do with these skills? And so that's when I decided to do a master's upon a suggestion from uh, a family friend. And so I decided to do a master's and specifically in chemistry, because I knew that I was interested in chemistry, but I always just put that on the back burner because I had my mind set up on, okay, I'm trying to go to dental school. So I I applied for a master's in chemistry and listen to this story because it's very interesting. So if you're applying to graduate school, anyone that's applied to graduate school, you know that typically you need to apply about eight months in advance, sometimes even a year in advance. And it's a long application process. And sometimes you're not even guaranteed to get in because graduate school is also very competitive. Now, this was the summer that I graduated. So I graduated June of 2014 from my undergrad, okay? And I decided in July of 2014, so the next month, that I wanted to do my master's. So I was like, okay, let me apply. And I know this is ridiculous because the master's would have started in September, so two months from then. But I'm like, you know what? Let me just try and like still apply to a master's so I can start in September because I'm not trying to wait another year of doing nothing. You know, I just want to go and do my master's. So the way I approached it was I, instead of applying to a school, I started looking for different research groups that I was interested in the research that they were doing. So I looked kind of like all over Canada. And at that time, I was interested in carbohydrate chemistry, which is kind of like a strain of um, organic chemistry. So there aren't a lot of carbohydrate chemistry labs in Canada. So that really narrowed down my search. And I found a lab in Dalhousie University that I was interested in their research. So I reached out to the supervisor, wrote him a really nice email about how I'm interested and if they're accepting um, graduate students. And he wrote back to me pretty quickly and was like, yeah, you know, he's looking for more graduate students. He's like, if you're really interested, what he can do is that he can fly me down to Halifax and, you know, I can come and see the research group and um, he can tell me more about what they're doing and I can present like my research that I've done and such like that. So two weeks after that conversation, they flew me down. So this is all paid for and everything. They flew me down to um, Dalhousie University, put me in this nice hotel, paid for all of everything, my accommodation, my food, pretty much treated me like I was the queen, (laughs) which was really nice because it was something that I did not expect at all. So 
flew me down, um, invited me to the lab. I met with him. He talked about his research. I was interested in it. I also had to present like all the research um, experience that I had. So I did that as well. And then afterwards, he was like, okay, you know, I'll get back to you within a week. So that was like end of July, beginning of August kind of thing. Then the week later, he was like, you know what? We would love to have you in, um, in our lab. You start in three weeks. So I had to pack all my stuff because I was moving across the country. I had to pack all my stuff and everything. And then I moved and I got accepted into the program and also into the school within the two to three week time period. Now, when I tell you that that's not normal, it's actually not normal at all for a graduate program. Because like I said, typically to apply to a graduate program, it takes about a year for your application to go through. But what this really taught me is that when something is for you, it is for you. All you have to do is just go after it and go for it. Because it's like, look how much I struggled to get into dental school. You know, and I felt like I had all the prerequisites, all the requirements and everything, and I was competitive. I tried and I, I didn't get in. But for this master's program, I honestly barely put in an effort. Like it was very, very effortless. And within a month time, I interviewed, I got accepted, and I started the program. So like I said, what's for you is for you. Sometimes you just need to go after it. And I also truly believe that that was a divine moment for me because I believe that God was honestly closing all the doors that weren't for me and opening the doors wide open, the doors that were for me so that it was just so easy for me to walk in. So it was very interesting and I feel like I still didn't realize it until a lot later because my intention initially of doing my master's was still to get into dental school, but I thought that this would better my chances because you know more degrees, you're more credible and you're more competitive to apply to dental school. So during my master's, like I said, I was interested in the research project. It was very interesting. I learned a lot as well, but I still had my mind set up of going to dental school. Also, I, I found it very interesting because, um, because I decided on applying to a master's, interviewing, getting in, and such a short period of time, I don't think I really digested <laughs> how much or how demanding a master's is. And I also didn't really digest and prepare myself for what I was getting into. So when I started my master's, it was definitely a huge learning curve. If anyone out here has gone from an undergrad to graduate school, you kind of know the learning curve because it's completely different. And it's different in the way that undergraduate is very course focused. And it's really a lot of, you know, pushing all this information into your head, retaining it, and then spitting it out on an exam, right? That's the majority of undergrad masters is now different because it's more research focused so you're being more inquisitive you have a research project it's more self-driven um, it's more investigative okay so you do have to take courses in masters and this is specifically for a stem-based masters i would say um, other graduate programs may be different but for a research stem-based masters 
courses aren't the focus of it, but rather your research project is the focus. So I found that there was a huge learning curve that I had to get over um, starting the master's. And there were so many things that I learned just on my own because I didn't know before. So like, for example, how do you even come up with research questions? Like, where do you even start? Luckily, my supervisor kind of already had a project carved out for me. And so I just kind of started that project. And then from there, I just branched off into my own research questions. Um, But then even just the other things that comes with the master's as well, like presenting your research, speaking in front of people, um, writing a paper, publishing a journal article. I remember I used to be so nervous at doing presentations, even in front of my lab group, which was like five people, but just getting up there and speaking about, you know, your research and speaking about scientific concepts and stuff. I remember I was so nervous and it was something that took me a long time to get used to, but when you're forced to do it multiple times, then you kind of have to get used to it, you know? Um, even you know, putting together a research presentation or a research poster, those are all things that I kind of had to learn on my own. And there's a lot of times where you know there was failure where I tried to put together a research presentation that my supervisor would be like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> and would kind of have to walk me through of the correct way to do it. So I mean, You know, if you're someone that is just starting out into a master's program or any type of graduate program, know that it's going to come with a a learning curve. And that's like anything that you start for the first time. You're not expected to know it all. Because think about it. If you already knew everything, what would be the point of being there? But when you have a mentor or a supervisor that is there with you, it can really make the learning curve a lot less steep. So really quick story. So obviously, you know, it was a chemistry master's. Um, and so I was doing a lot of chemistry experiments as well. And it's funny, I'm like, who put me, I think back and I'm like, who allowed me to be in the lab doing these experiments with my inexperienced self? There was one time where I was doing an experiment and if there's anyone that's in chemistry here that's listening, um, I'll kind of explain what I was doing because you'll, you'll get it when I say it. So I was doing a a dehydrogenation with palladium on carbon, okay? And I remember I was following the protocol and everything, and I guess I didn't read it all that thoroughly, but I remember I took my flask, and then I put the solvent in my flask first, and then I measured out my palladium on carbon. And if you've ever worked with palladium on carbon before, you know it's super flammable, right? So... I measured out my palladium on carbon and then I just took the whole thing and I think I was doing a gram scale. So it was quite a bit. I took the whole powder and I dumped it in the solvent, like in the solvent that was in the flask. And then all I remember is just this flame that just poof, this flame just went out of the flask and literally through my hands. But it was so fast that I didn't even feel anything at all. But I was... I was in shock. I stood there because I thought I was going to cause a fire. And I'm like, I don't know who left me here. Like who sent me (laughs) to do these experiments with my inexperienced self? So there was a lot of um, things like that that had happened along the way. But again, you know, you make mistakes 
and then you learn from them. And I think that was a crucial time because every time I do that experiment or every time I have done that experiment since then, I always know, okay, palladium goes in the flask first and then slowly add solvent. So like I said, you know, those mistakes that happen, they, they really teach you um, a lot and you can learn from them. So don't be afraid to make mistakes. But yes, there is a lot of different things that um, I had to kind of overcome and learn on my own. And then even getting nearing the end of my master's when it came to writing up my experiments and putting it into thesis. And um, I was lucky enough to be able to publish my master's research as well. So writing my very first paper, I remember the first draft of my paper, I wrote it out and my supervisor didn't really give me much guidance. He kind of just told me, okay, we want to publish this. So I kind of wrote out a draft. I remember I sent it to him and he sent it back. It was literally all red, like so many corrections. And at that point, you know, that can really harp on your self-esteem and you can just think like, okay, wow, maybe I'm just not that good a writer. But then again, it's a learning experience, right? There's a different way to write scientific journals versus just writing. And so again, that's something that I had to learn. But anyways, so I was lucky enough to finish my master's in a little under two years, went through my thesis, my defense and everything, which was very nerve wracking, by the way, but we got through it. But you know, it was interesting because as I was doing my master's, I realized that this is something that I'm actually very interested in. Like chemistry interests me. And what really interested me about chemistry is the way that you can make a make a molecule in the lab and you can apply it to biological situations and you can use it to solve biological problems. And so what we were doing was we were making molecules as enzyme inhibitors, right? And so that's something that really interested me. And it's something that I wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't followed my interest of chemistry. And so this took me a while to actually grasp because like I said, when I was going into my master's, I had the mindset of, I'm only going into this so that I can better my chances of getting into dental school. Not knowing the hints of dental school is not for me. And I realized that when I was in the second year of my master's and I again did the DAT and this time I got almost perfect on the test and also my grades during my master's were very high. I applied again for dental school and again, I didn't get in to any school in Canada. So that was kind of like my last straw and that's when it really hit me that, okay, this path isn't for me. These doors are completely shut. I don't know why, but it, this path isn't for me. And so that's when I started to pay more attention to my master's and the research and realizing that this is actually what I'm interested in. Going to dental school, yeah, it seems glamorous and it seems like something that I would like, but I wasn't actually interested in it. It was just the profession, just having, for the sake of having a profession. Whereas with graduate school and with the research, I was like, okay, this is something that I feel like I could do for the rest of my life because I'm very interested and it's continual learning. You know, it's never a dull moment. I'm always learning new things. I can be innovative. I can be curious about things. And it's also cool because you can add to a field that you're studying in. And so that's what's really cool with doing graduate school and if you have the opportunity to, to write papers. 
like I said, I was lucky enough to be able to publish my work in a journal article. So that was me adding to the field that I was studying, right? And so it was a really cool opportunity. And so what I learned from this period of time was the importance of not just running after a profession, but running after your interest, rather. Because I would still be so caught up into going into med school or going into dental school, because that's the only profession that I knew. Whereas a lot of times there are so many professions out there that we don't know, and that's just because of lack of exposure. But at the same time, if you follow your interest, it's going to lead you to the profession that you'll probably enjoy the most. So moving forward, this is the way that I approach my career. I think to myself, okay, what exactly am I interested in? What are the skills that I want to build on? Is there a job that combines my interest with these skills that I want to learn? And I find that if you are someone that wants to keep you know, advancing in their career, this is how, because as you evolve as a person, you're going to realize that your interests evolve as well and they grow. So you won't be able to stay in one position or do the same thing for a very, very long time. And I realized, about, I realized that about myself as well, how I'm someone that I just get bored easily. Like if I'm doing the same thing over and over again, I'm going to get so bored. I always have to be learning something. Like I need to always be advancing my skills or learning something. And I found that when it came to research and it came to the academic environment, that is something that fulfilled me. The fact that I could ask all these research questions and I could follow my interest and I can go from one thing to the other, it kind of created a sense of freedom for me. So once your interests start to grow, you will want to start looking for other positions or other opportunities that cater to your interest. Now, I know this advice isn't for everyone. There are some people that from birth, you know, they know exactly what they want to be and they're working towards it. And there are some people that want to stay in a profession for their whole life. And that's completely okay. We're all wired differently. We're all made differently. But for those people that don't exactly know what they want to do in their life and haven't really found a profession that kind of fits, you know, to their skills and their interests, that is completely okay. To get to where you want to be in terms of finding that job or finding that career that can fulfill you, follow your interests. That's the only advice that I would give is to just keep on following what you're interested in. And if you keep on following that path, it's going to lead you to the job that you want. It's going to lead you to the career path that you want. And a lot of times career paths aren't linear. The one thing that really set me free, I would say, is, you know, growing up with parents that um, are the baby boomer kind of generation, this is something that I find that's very common with that generation is that they are able to stick with one job for like 20, 30 years, retire from that job, and they're more than content, right? Which is completely fine. And so I kind of had that mindset that, okay, going into university, I had to find a job that I would be able to st stick with for the next 20, 30 years, build that career and then retire and live my life. And that kind of scared me because like I said, I'm not that person that like I get bored easily. And so I, I was, I could never picture myself staying in one job for the rest of my life. But what really set me free was 
when I was in Dalhousie, I met with the president of the university. Um, I can't remember why, to be honest, but I remember it was me and then my two other friends that were also studying at the university. We had an appointment with him and we just sat down and chatted and he kind of told us about his experience. We also told him a little bit about ourselves as well. And he was kind of talking about his journey of how, you know, he did a PhD in MIT. I think it was in engineering or something like that. Or no, I think it was in physics. He did a, a PhD in physics at MIT. Um, and then from there, he just kind of went into consulting and he worked in several different companies and would kind of like consult for one company and then move somewhere else and then became a strategist and like an advisor. And I was like, that's a really interesting career path because for someone that did a PhD in physics, you would think that they would move on to be a professor or they would work in, you know, a large um in some kind of large biotech company or something, but his path was so non-linear and he just tried different things. He kind of see, he kind of wanted to see, okay, what he was interested in, what fit. And then that led him to being the president of Dalhousie University for a period of time. So when I heard that, that really sparked something in me that it's like, wow, no matter what kind of education you have, you don't have to stick with the same job for the rest of your life. And I know that that may be common sense to some of you, but it wasn't to me at that time. And so that really opened my mind, you know, that number one, you don't necessarily have to work within the boundaries of your field that you studied. And that's something that I'm definitely going to talk a lot more about probably in the next episode. But then number two, you don't need to have the same job for the rest of your life. And if you go from job to job, that doesn't mean that you're confused. You know, it doesn't mean that you are indecisive, but it just means that you're taking the opportunity to build on yourself and to build on the skills that you have and to learn from different careers as well, because every single job that you go to, it's going to teach you something different and you're going to be adding to all the skills that you already have that will make you into a better person and will build your skills and make you into a more well-rounded person. So I would say that really broke my ideology of how I grew up and just the way that I perceive my career and everything. But overall, I would say that if I got the hint early about the importance of following your interest, I feel like my journey would have been a lot smoother because even after my master's, there was a huge, there was a lot of bumps even getting to my PhD, which I'm going to talk about in the next episode. So I'm going to end it here today. But before I end off, I do want to leave with three main points just based off of what I've spoken about today, with number one being following your interests will lead you to satisfaction. Number two, embrace the learning curve and the mistakes along the way. And number three, your career or education path may not be linear, and that is okay, okay? Like, that is okay, and... In the future episodes, you're going to see how non-linear my path was, um, and we'll talk about it a bit more. But thank you guys for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.